Welcome everyone, welcome to Willow Park Church at the South and at 33, we're so excited to be here today, Sunday, this is two weeks out from our live gatherings, we're very excited about that, so let's just start with a word of prayer and then I'm going to read a psalm and then we will go into worship. Father, thank you for this day, thank you for this time together, thank you for our church as we meet far and near, we are just so grateful that we can be in your presence wherever we are. I pray today as we worship you, we would we'd be recalling those moments of, of times that we spent well with you and looking forward to more times with you. I just pray that today can be also a moment that we spend with you. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for, for how you care for us and you, how you understand how sometimes when we're distant from people, we don't feel the same way as we normally feel, but your grace covers that. And thank you so much for your grace and your love. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now I'm going to read Psalm 47 before we head into worship. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Maybe clap your hands at home this morning. That would be kind of, that would be kind of fun. Shh. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under His pe- feet, people under His feet. He subdued nations under us, people under His feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom He loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our King, sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations, God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble, the people of God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Let's exalt God wherever we are today. Amen.
start our morning as we rise in the morning God we start it by praising your holy name thanking you for our lives God for this life that we live that we get to live each day as your hands and your feet God, that we get to serve other people in your name Jesus you give us the power and the authority to heal the sick God, to cleanse the leopards. Jesus, to love. And I thank you for that authority that you give us, God. So we step into that. As we worship you this morning, we declare you're the one seated on the throne. God, and we are declaring holy, holy, worthy, worthy are you, Jesus. Oh, 
Spirit, we ask you to be. Ask to be with us. Thank you that you are with us and meeting us where we're at. As we take communion today, we pray that we would feel your heart, feel your conviction, feel your love. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read a verse here from Hebrews 3 and then read a confession of sin. I've been thinking about how, as we aren't having that weekly accountability of people that we see at our churches, we're not having that weekly time where we know we're going to see our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and understanding that, that we need to keep a pure heart and keep a pure mind and, and, and live our lives honoring of Him because we don't have that reminder. And so we can start to slip and we can start to be deceived a little bit. And as we take communion today, let's take a moment to reflect and, and ask ourselves, is that us? Have we slipped? And it's totally understandable because we love being around people and people keep us accountable to the ways of Christ. So let's read this and I'm going to read a confession of sin and then we're going to take communion together. Hebrews 3, verse 13. Being, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that no one may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Let us make it our goal not to have our hearts hardened let us make it our goal to keep strong and keep faithful in our calling to Him, even though things are so different. So I'm going to read this confession of sin. I'll read it slowly, just clo slowly. Just take it in, take in the words, take in the confession. If you want to make it your own, please feel free. And then we'll take communion. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you, in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. 
for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may be d- delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. Father, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your love. As we confess our sins, you are faithful to, to forgive us and we move forward boldly to your throne. Jesus, we thank you for, the, for your body. As we remember you, we take this bread and eat it in remembrance of you. We remember the blood poured out on the cross for our sin. We remember you in anguish and you in pain, but your blood covering our sins. And, and Father, we're welcomed into your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Let's drink. Thank you for taking communion with me and I'm going to sing one more song.
I'm no longer a slave for you. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And I'm no longer a slave for you. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Because I'm no longer a slave. child of God, I'm no longer a slave to fear, and I am a child of God, yes I am a child of God. And Father, thank you that we are no longer slaves to fear, even as we sometimes enslave ourselves, we know that we're free by you. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for our city. We pray for Kelowna right now as, as things begin to open up and now there's new cases of COVID around. We just ask that you, um, you give us wisdom, you give us protection. We thank you for this land that we live in. We pray for all the churches starting to meet together and, and the churches that are are still online like this. We just pray for wisdom again and protection. We thank you so much for all of our, our friends and family that maybe know you, maybe don't know you. We just ask that you give us opportunity to share your love with them. Lay on our hearts someone that you want us to talk to about you. We just pray we would do that. Thank you so much for the leadership of Phil and Glenn. Over this time, we are so grateful for what they have done under such trying circumstances. We're grateful for that. Be with them today. Thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. So if you want to hit that donate button, that would be fantastic. Um, and, uh, or head on to the website and you can find out how to give there and sign up for online giving. We are so grateful for all the people that have have been able to give, and we pray for those people that, that have lost work. We just pray that jobs will come and your finances will be, will be provided for, as for all of us. We just pray that God will give us what we need. We're going to send it over to uh, the Family News now with Courtney. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us for Church Online, and here's your Family News. We are so excited to announce that our in-person gatherings will be starting on August 2nd at three of our locations in Rutland, in the Mission, and in Lake Country. More details will be coming soon, but to learn more, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com dwell. We are now looking for volunteers at our dwell gatherings. Volunteers will be helping people check in, find their seats, and helping with cleaning and sanitization. If you'd like to be involved, sign up for volunteer training happening next Sunday, July 26th at both our Highway 33 and South locations. Sign up online at willowparkchurch.com training. Our very first Kids Camp Online is happening this week, July 20th to 24th. Please pray for all of our kids and parents who will be participating. Also, we have another camp happening August 17th to 21st, and it's not too late to register. Learn more on our website at willowparkchurch.com slash kidscamp. Join us after church today for a live Zoom chat with one of our pastors. Simply go on our website and find the link to join. We can't wait to see you all there. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us and we're so blessed that you are with us this morning. Praise God. Well, this is a very special morning because here in the church this morning, there are 35 volunteers who are being trained 
in how to welcome people safely here at Willow Park Church, both here in Rutland and also in the mission. And we're really grateful they've come and they get, they're experiencing what a dwell gathering would be like. They're experiencing uh, uh, a kind of sense of liturgical worship with, uh, led by a, uh, a one worship leader to have time uh, praying together and, and connecting together. And so if you choose to join us, uh, they're experiencing probably what you will experience in the different venues that we've lined up across Willow Park Church. I want to remind you that we do want to keep everybody safe. I want to remind you that if there is a uptake in the city, we are always trying to be behind the city in terms of when the city opened, uh, we waited, and if the city closes and different uh, 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 businesses suddenly becomes apparent within our, in our city that things have shifted again, we'll keep in step with what is taking place within the city. But I'm so uh, blessed that you're joining us and that you're with us. And uh, keep praying for the church, not only here at Willow Park Church, the church in Kelowna, and not only the church in Kelowna, but the church across uh, Canada at this time needs your prayer. You know, when we're under pressure, there are fractures that come in. There are fault lines that happen. And I'm hearing of churches right the way across Canada who are experiencing where there were problems, they're becoming more real because this is not only a pandemic, but it affects the way whether we're going to go deeper into Christ or whether we are actually going to kind of dive out. And I believe and I can see in our own community from the conversations that I've had is that people are choosing to dive in deeper into God and that God is coming to us and is close to us and that we want to maintain that city on the hill. We want to keep the light burning brightly for the church of God and keep the church moving and keep proclaiming and keep connecting and sharing the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with people. Let's be honest, people need the love of God. They need Jesus. Uh, the only answer for the world is Jesus Christ. And, and in the great Sermon of the Mount, uh, uh, Jesus, of course, encouraged us to be salt, to stop the decay in society by our very presence and by our very prayers. He encouraged us to be light, that we would shine, that we'd bring light into, into darkness, that I, we would be present. And how do we bring light? We bring light through our good deeds. And... As we're willing to show the world that we are a good people because of the gospel, that we are a people that care, that we're a people that serve, that we're a people that are interested in others and showing the love and showing the grace of God. It is so uh, critical and so important. So I want to share with you, um, well, I think we just had this notice, but you, I want to share with you how you can give. Uh, you can give online, in person, or automated. Uh, we are blessed by your willingness to give and uh, to support the ministry of Willow Park Church. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. What is Jesus drawing on here? He's drawing on the sixth commandment. The sixth commandment is you shall not murder. We're aware of that commandment. It's a commandment, of course, that's enshrined in law. It's a commandment that we're aware of because the worst thing to do is to take another human being's life. And of course, a lot of people ask the question when Jesus is teaching, where is the Old Testament and where is the New Testament? And we dealt with a lot of this in our series in Galatians. But I want to remind you that, that Jesus Christ is the completion of the Old Testament. is completed in Jesus Christ. Everything is completed in Jesus Christ. And not only is it completed, but it's a continuation of what God spoke in the beginning all the way through. is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I just want to take a moment and encourage you all 
that what God has started to do in your life, personally, he will continue to keep doing. And that he will bring the work of God within your life to completion. I don't know what God is building in your life, how he's challenging you, how he's speaking to you. But I honestly know that he will, if we maintain our obedience to Christ, if we maintain that intimacy and that relationship, what God has started, he will complete within each of your lives. Never worry about that. When we walk in obedience to Christ, even with the difficulties and the ups and downs of life, God's going to bring completion to your life. Because he's a God of perfection. He's a God of completion. He's a God that never stops working. He's the Lord that is with us and cares for us so much. And so to understand this, he's not taken away from the old. He's completing it in himself. He's bringing it together. And here we move into um, this verse where he starts to talk about you shall not murder anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's heavy. Will be in danger of the fire of hell because I said to, some, to somebody, you fool. It's shocking. We think about it. So let's... Think about this verse and understand what Jesus is doing in this verse as he begins these teachings. He's actually saying, listen, we all have relationship together. We have relationship, we're connected together, we are interconnected. And that the very foundation of our relationship together is honoring and respecting and caring for one another. And so he's taking a step further, that actually our relationship with each other affects our relationship with heaven and seems to even affect our relationship with eternity here. He's really emphasizing the point that the way that we speak about each other, the way that we care for each other, and if we're angry with our brother, then it creates a spiritual problem and a spiritual blockage within our lives. Anger creates problems. Anger creates death. Anger creates those problems. Now, we take relationships for granted, but as you get older, it feels like relationships get a little bit harder, doesn't it? I mean, we take it for granted when we're young and we're enjoying ourselves, at, maybe at work, at college, at university. It seems so much easier to get solid relationships and friendships. Some of my deepest friendships are from the times when I first started working and, and traveling. Those friendships are there. But in life, you know, we... we it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to maintain consistent friendships. It's a challenge as we get older to build on new friendships and push out. And friendship is one of the biggest areas in our society at this time that really needs work because we've become so isolated. We've become so alone. Many people have lost the art of, of connecting with others and accepting others. We've become very isolated in our society and we are informed by TV shows like Friends about how friendships should work. And that's no, nothing like how friendships work. Uh, believe me. First of all, we live in Cologne and not New York. But, but we understand that friendship is about thinking well of the other person. Friendship is about forgiving somebody quickly. Friendship is about learning to linger with others. Friendship is about thinking the best about somebody even though you think they've hurt you. Friendship is about willing to leave behind the pain and to keep moving forward. 
And in our society, there seems to be a, a problem with, with friendship at this time. And we face that. And sometimes I think I need to like, do a seminar or something on how to be a good friend. Because sometimes people have high expectations or no expectations. And it can get problems. And, and it can get messy. And it gets difficult. Who hasn't here had a problem with a friend? Look at all those hands going up right now. Actually, no hands went up, but hands went down. <laughs> but we've had problems. And relationship is key to a Christian life. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with their brother or their sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka. What does this mean? It means anybody that looks at somebody else with, in a contemptuous way. Anybody that is scornful, anybody that is sneering, anybody that looks at somebody in a way that devalues and puts them down is a problem to Jesus Christ. And this is why the Sermon on the Mount is so challenging, because human beings have a natural ability to be negative. Human beings have a natural ability to be angry. Human beings have a natural ability to assume the worst and to sneer and to be negative and to look at a situation and always assume the worst rather than the best. And what Jesus Christ is really looking at in, the, in our relationships is we learn to forgive quickly and we learn to assume the best and we learn to understand that brothers and sisters in Christ need to honour each other and need to love each other. Otherwise, the danger is words can murder. Anger murders. How does it murder? Well, it murders our spirit, doesn't it? Our, ourselves. Who of you have had somebody say something to you maybe decades ago, but those words still Sting. Maybe a parent. Maybe some you've worked with. Maybe a close friend. You know that kind of close friend who you love but you hate? That friend which is toxic <laughs> and you need a bit of boundary? But you remember those words and those words spoke and what those words did, they affected you and your confidence and your belief in yourself and your strength. And they had a kind of crippling effect on your life. You know, when we run set free, one of the biggest areas when we talk about inner healing is that we need Jesus to come and take away the power of negative, murderous, angry words that can often affect us. Great studies have been done with groups of children when they could do this, you know, they would don't do it so much these days with, with ethics. Uh, but they used to take children and, and a teacher would speak very positively to one group. It sounds horrible. And speak kind of like nile expectations with another group. And they would see how they would perform. And again and again what would happen is the one who had spoken words of life, words of positivity, words of strength. Those flourished with the positivity and the power and the ones that were kind of treated with, you know, negatively suffered. It shows you the power of words. It shows you the power of anger. And anger is a root that creates only one thing. It creates death. And so much of our problems in society and so much of our problems in marriage and so much of our problems in relationships and so much of our problems in, in life is caused by a deep anger that is never verbalized, never dealt with and never placed at the foot of the cross. So Jesus wants to emphasize here, your anger will kill you. Your anger will, cri will cripple you. But you might say, well, Phil, Jesus was angry. It's true. Jesus was angry. 
I can give you three occasions Jesus was angry. The first occasion when Jesus Christ was angry, he was angry when, when he went to the temple, the end of Mark's gospel, and, and he saw that the place where the Gentiles could go and pray had been turned into a marketplace. And he stepped in there and he looked around and he saw the money making. He saw the sales. He saw that there was no space. He saw that they turned a place of prayer into a place of a place where nobody could pray, a place of commerce. What does he do? One of that most shocking moments, he starts to turn the tables over. He starts to speak against it. He starts to declare, he starts to drive them out. He must have such authority at that moment. And he did, of course, and such power and such personality. And he he spoke to them and he says, how dare you take what should be a place of prayer into a place of, of, of commerce and marketing. This is not wrong. This is my father's house. And this house should be a place to let people seek God and know God and let the nations come and let the people come come and this should take place. There was righteous anger right there. Mark chapter 3. At the beginning of that chapter, he goes into the synagogue in Capernaum and they're all watching him and they're seeing if the man's hand that is withered, whether he will heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus looks around at their hearts and as he looks at their hearts, he sees this withered hand and he sees this man. He reaches out and he performs the most beautiful miracle as he gives back the ability of movement to a hand that has been paralyzed. But he sees in the hearts of those in the synagogue that that they are hard-hearted, that this is the Sabbath. You don't make somebody's hand well on the Sabbath. You leave that to other days because surely you don't have a miracle on the Sabbath. And Jesus looked at them and rebuked them and was angry with them because their religion had, had caught them. And then, of course, with the Pharisees himself. He was angry at the Pharisees because of their blindness. For their religion. But no heart. No love. No relationship. So, what was Jesus angry with? Two things. First of all, Jesus clearly was angry with injustice. When he saw the injustice in the world and he was angry at where people and where there was wrong and where there was injustice. And secondly, Jesus was angry at sin. At the power of sin to wreck lives. At the power of sin and sickness and man's heart to see the way that sin can destroy and can corrupt. And if you want to understand Jesus' anger, then understand that Jesus is angry when there is injustice in the world. He, is, he feels the pain of the poverty. He feels the pain of the refugee. He feels the pain of those who are experiencing prejudice and hatred. He feels feels the pain of people that haven't uh, got a future or any opportunity. God hates injustice. In fact, that's why God judged the ancient world. He didn't judge Assyria and Babylon because they didn't keep the Ten Commandments or drop off an offering in the temple or do all of that. No, judgment came to Assyria and Syria and Babylon and and came to these mighty uh, empires because they were treating people unjustly. And God hates injustice. God hates the power of sin and the power of sin within our lives. But when it comes to people that hurt us and insult us and look at us with scorn or judge us wrongly or are contemptuous as they look at you and sneer. Do you know what he says? Love. Love. 
How do I know this? Because when Jesus was taken and nailed to the cross, when he was beaten by the Roman soldiers, when he was betrayed by his closest disciples, when the Sanhedrin and the priests watched him hanging on the cross and said he saved others, let's see if he can save himself. What did he utter from the cross? Father, forgive them. They hurled insult and sneer and scoffed and they, they laughed at him and they abused him verbally. But did he become angry at them? He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In other words, even when we feel that we've been misjudged or insulted or sneered at or anger is at the root, then, then, then our response for all of us in human relationship, Jesus is teaching in this here, is not to murder the other person with our words. He's saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, bring your grace. Father, bring your love. Father, forgive them. Now, isn't it interesting that we do it the other way around? It's the opposite. We do not get upset about sin in the world or injustice, but we get really upset if somebody says something about us. Really upset. Oh, oh, we human beings, we don't like that. We get really upset. You know, if, if we're judged wrong or if, if there's, you know, and human beings have this ability. They, some sociologists have said and, and uh, historians have said the one thing that human beings are really awesome at doing is gossip and making up stories. I mean, I don't know whether it kept us going when we were in the, you know, tribes and we were having fires and sat around nomads and we like to talk about who's the best leader and who's this best person and who's this, who can I trust and who I can't and who's going to run off with my wife and who's not going to run off with my wife and who's going who's to steal my sheep or my goat and stuff like that. I mean, those are normal problems, aren't they, in, in Kelowna. I'm always worrying about about my goats and all of that. But we always have this propensity towards the negativity. This is the truth. We've all murdered people with our words. Knowingly or not. We've all done damage with our words. And we've all been damaged with words. But it's a beautiful thing to acknowledge that we're all in the same boat. And I don't want to be in danger of the fires of hell. <laughs> Jesus really highlights this. So it's got to be really important. And so if we're all in danger of murdering people with our words and our anger, and Jesus adds to this, what, what is our choice? Well, some people, of course, one of the dangers is, is, that, is that Jesus is addressing is this religious attitude that somehow I know and I am better than other people. I'm somehow slightly more intelligent. I'm slightly more spiritual. I have the right opinion. All these opinions are wrong, but my opinion is always right. And we take a higher kind of Brahman kind of position in life, that spiritual guru that kind of floats around and looks at people and we look down at people and we kind of think that our position, our spiritual position is somehow far better than everybody else. See what Jesus isn't looking for your, your superiority, Jesus is looking for your humility. And human beings have a really good ability to stereotype people into groups. Have you noticed that? 
a really good ability to put people into groups and put them into these things. This goes all the way back to the ancient world. If you study ancient literature, I mean, you look at, at Greece. Greece, the people in Greece, Athens and Sparta and those great nations, they believed it was very simple. The Greeks were awesome and the rest of the world were rubbish. And when Alexander came from Mesopotamia, which was part of Greece, but it was kind of seen as the Paul Hillbilly cousin, um, they were shocked that Alexander came down, he conquered Greece and he went on. And, and of course, he was driven by an inferiority complex. But Greeks basically thought everything was awesome about Greeks and every other culture in the world was lacking. Because human beings have the ability to really love the people that we hang out with and the people that are like us, but we don't often, we, we, we treat people of different groups or people that we've put in boxes or people that we've put into little neat stereotypical little ideas or we create easy, simplistic views of people. And then we file them away this person's bad. This person's lost. This person I don't like. But can I tell you about people? Everybody has a story that will make you cry. I've been in pastoral ministry for 30 years. And in some sense, this is probably the hardest year of ever in pastoral ministry. But the one thing I know when I sit with people, I know that I may have put them in a box, but when I really listen to their story in their heart, every one of them has a story that will make me cry. And what the Lord is saying through this passage is, will you love rather than judge? Will you forgive rather than be angry? Will your words give life rather than murder somebody? And will you be willing to gaze at people with the eyes of love and choose, choose to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I choose the, the better way. I choose to pray and bless those. I choose to speak well of them. I choose to find out the truth and not make up my own narratives. I choose to ask loving, inquiring questions if something is bothering me. I choose to choose to assume the positive rather than just assume the negative. Because I don't know what it is about humans. We always assume the negative. Maybe it's the news channels we watch. We, the outrageous, the rare news has become entertainment rather than being thoughtful and open and asking the Lord. And I know that this scripture teaches me and it goes on to talk about the importance of worship. That when you're worshipping, make sure you forgive. The importance of getting with people who may be in danger of suing you and talking it through and trying to make a way. The importance of dialogue. The importance of community. The importance of the hermeneutics of being together and and cooperating together and gaining understanding together makes all the difference. And to cooperate, to gain understanding, to, to listen, to not deal with two-dimensional ideas shows a very deep spiritual person that is willing to let go of anger and is willing to show the love of God and willing to feel the uncomfortableness of trying to work out what God's heart is about this problem and this difficulty. So maybe there are people this morning 
you need to forgive. Maybe make a list. Maybe there are people that you've written off and you've put in a box or you're angry with, you need to deal with spiritually. Maybe there are words that have hurt you that you need to ask the Lord, Lord, how can you bring healing into those words that have crippled me? Maybe it's time to change the way you act. Maybe you're, you find it a lot easier to be full of cynicism and scoffing and sneering. The word fall comes actually from the Greek moronos, where we get the word moron from. It doesn't actually mean intellectual ability. It means, in Canadian, if I can, it means you jerk, you numbskull, you bonehead. I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say these words. It means you idiot. It means numbskull. As my old grandmother used to go, anything inside there? Or is it just wood? <laughs> ah, the Lord's good. But it means that. And sometimes what happens is that we just degrade somebody down to the kind of basis of you fool. Idiot. And then you lose the sense of the image of God in each person. You see, the image of God is in every one of you. And because the image of God is there, that's why we need to take seriously this scripture. So if you say you numbskull, you will be in the danger of the fire of hell. <sighs> Jesus is really going super bold here. Saying that it leads to problems. So let's pause now and pray and ask the Lord. Where have you, as it were, allowed your theology to become Greek as opposed to kingdom? So by Greek theology, I mean we're awesome. Everybody else is rubbish. Where has pride come? Where has that come? Who do you have to forgive? Who do you have to listen to? Who do you have to reach out to in gentleness and love? Lord, I pray at the end of this service, we are challenged immensely in this text. It has so many layers. We're challenged that you started off your six sessions on human relationship with this area of linking it to the sixth commandment. But Lord, I pray that you will help us to not let anger rule in our lives. Judgment. Help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, show us where we should change, what we should do, how we should live. And forgive us, Lord, when we've created cliches and stereotypes of people. Help us, Lord, I pray. For everyone listening who has been wounded by words, I pray that those words 
we all know who, what they are, will lose their authority and their power in the name of Jesus now. Break the power of those crippling words in our lives, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, being with us. And thank you to my live studio audience, uh, church audience that are here for training. And uh, we bless you. And thank you so much. So God bless.